the Lord. And so this morning, very, very quickly, I, I am going to be talking to you about a particular topic that I'll be taking from only one perspective. And the title of my message this morning just simply means a letter from the battlefield. Now, when you see a topic like that, you wonder why a letter from the battlefield. But I want you to understand one thing. Every one of us that is born into this world is born into a battlefield. Praise the Lord. And in this battlefield, we've said it over and over and over again, God has given us everything that we need to survive, but we need to make sure that we articulate those things for our favor in order to win the victory that God has already won for us. And so this morning, I want us to look at a letter that one of our colleagues wrote while he was on the battlefield. Now, when you look at this letter, I want you to imagine yourself in the challenge that you have right now. Everybody has a challenge. Some have challenges in their marriage. Some have challenges with their children. Some have challenges with their studies. Some have challenges in their finances. Some have challenges in their health. But everybody has a particular challenge that they are battling with at this time. Now, if you were to put your hand to paper, or now, we don't put our hands to paper so often now, if you were to type out a letter to a friend at this time, the question is, what will you write? Will it be a letter letting your friend know that you are nearly dead in battle? Will it be a letter letting your friend know that though I'm in battle, but yet I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me? Will it be a letter to let your friends know that the times that you spent together, that you appreciate it so much, that it is part of what carries you on in battle? What kind of letter will you put your hand to write? In fact, let me challenge you. If you want to be very sincere with yourself, this time of coronavirus might actually be a time for you to start a small diary. Every day, you want to write down the thoughts that are predominant in your mind. And then, at the end of it all, when you collate all of those inputs from your diary, it will give you an idea of the kind of letter you will write. Amen? Now, all of us are waking up at this time, at least today. And as we are waking up, we have realized that we are better than those that did not wake up today. Brethren, either you like it or not, when you look at statistics, the number of people that are infected worldwide with COVID-19 has surpassed the 2 million mark. But glory be to God, for those of us in New Brunswick, Canada, we can rightly say that the Lord has really been our help. Amen? I was still talking to one of the doctors that look after the patients in the COVID-19 world today, and he said, we want to thank God that we don't even have a lot of work to do. Brethren, I don't know about you, there are some work that you don't need to do. Praise the Lord. It is just like, I don't know how many of you wish that a fireman will come to your house. When a fireman comes to your house, it means that there's trouble. Amen? So even though we have firemen and we pay them, nobody wants their name to be written in the list of places that the firemen went. 
And so this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you want to open with me to the book of Philippians. I'm going to read it here, and then I'm going to go through some few slides here to see what Apostle Paul wanted his readers to know from the battlefield. Now, I want you to note that, that he's writing from the battlefield. Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. Philippians 1, 1 to 11. It says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. Verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, now if you are home, I want you to read this along with me. Verse 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Verse 8. For God is my record, or God is my witness. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. This, that, that verse pertains to all of us now. How we long to see one another again. How we long to hug one another again. How we long just to be with one another again. Verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve the things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus unto the glory and the praise of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Brethren, this morning we want to look at some few things. I've already mentioned to you that Apostle Paul was writing this letter in prison. And so we want to look at in what condition was he, what kind of condition was he when he was writing this letter. Number one, he knew that under the circumstances that he found himself, his outlook was unpleasant. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and he knew that there was the possibility of sudden execution if they decided to kill him. Because the offense that they had accused him of was one of those that you were allowed to kill somebody. Now, this is from the pen of a man that on one hand is praying that he will see you again, but on the other hand, he knows at the back of his mind that only God can make that to be possible. Amen? Now, when you apply that to ourselves today, you will understand that everybody that is locked up in their homes, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are scared now. And people are so scared that some people are even asking themselves, will things ever go back to normal? People are asking themselves, will I ever see everybody's face again? Amen? 
And so don't think your, don't think your condition is unique. Apostle Paul was in the same kind of condition. And he knew that the success of his work was at stake. Everything he had labored for, everything he has fought for, everything he has preached for, everything that he has witnessed for was at stake. It was going to be tried to know what his faith was. But yet, he rejoiced. But then it is good to ask yourself under this circumstance, how many of you are rejoicing now? How many of you will say, I just thank God for COVID-19? Brethren, I don't know about you. It depends on what verses of scripture that you are reading. When you read the right scriptures, the Bible says, and those of you in Cornerstone know me very well, all things, the Bible says we know all things, not some things, not a few things, but what? All things. Now, let me tell you how the all things work together for your good. If you are having challenges that did not come to the surface before, God will allow those challenges to come to the surface now and give you enough time during this lockdown to solve the problem. If, for example, there were certain behaviors in your children that because you are going to work every day and you did not notice those behaviors, this time you will have noticed the behavior. That means God is giving you an opportunity to correct those behaviors. Amen? If husband and wife have been avoiding one another by staying at work, God has allowed both of you now to be locked up together. One of you working on the one side of the dining table, the other one working on the other side of the dining table, and then you will tell me how you will not find a solution for your problems. Amen? So, the Bible says, Again, I say unto you, rejoice. So, Apostle Paul rejoiced, number one, because in all of this, God gave him an open door to preach the gospel in prison. I don't know how many people will rejoice and say, look, God, even though I'm not making as much money as I used to make, but I rejoice because God has opened the door. Number two, Apostle Paul rejoiced because he knew after Epaphroditus had given him the report that the followers were growing. He knew that they were doing well. Brother, let me tell you the truth. Every time I see your faces on Zoom, I rejoice. Every time I hear your voices on the phone line, I rejoice. Amen? You rejoice because you know that these are the fruits of our labor. Number three, he rejoiced because he was counted worthy to sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He rejoiced because the Bible says, count it all joy. And number four, he rejoiced in the goodwill of his friends. We have talked about this many times, that even this, during this time of COVID-19, brethren, extend your hand of fellowship, extend your hand of goodwill, Bless somebody. Do something for somebody without necessarily coming into physical contact with them. Amen? There are a lot of ways you can still rejoice. There are a lot of ways you can still make a difference. Praise the Lord. Now, in case you don't know, I'm going to give you just a very crash course 
on who the Philippians were. If you read in the book of Acts chapter 16, you will see a story that was quite interesting there. The Bible says that when Apostle Paul and his company got to Macedonia, that they went to Philippi. And then the Bible says because these people, they had not heard and they were not that organized, they did not have a synagogue. And so a group of women were gathered together to go and pray by the river. Brethren, what kind of sacrifice people were making for the gospel? They will gather together, go to the front of the river, and then they will pray. While they were doing that, Apostle Paul went one day with them. He preached to them, and the very first convert that he had was a lady called Lydia. Now, after Lydia, the Bible now says that that same Lydia brought them to her house. She was so hospitable that she allowed them to stay with her. In the process, Apostle Paul was going one day from Lydia's house to the place of prayer. And then he realized that there had been a girl that had been a nuisance for some time. Every day they passed by, the girl said, Ah, look at this man. These are the men that have been sent to preach us the gospel. And the Bible says that Paul eventually got upset and cast out the demon in the child. After that... Apostle Paul got to prison. You would think that he would keep quiet in prison, but no. In fact, let me tell you one of the things I found interesting in that story. The Bible says Paul and Silas, they prayed, and they sang praises to God. And then the Bible says suddenly there was an earthquake, and that the gates, uh, and that the foundations of the prison were broken, and that everybody's chains were broken. You remember that? But what I found interesting is this. When the jailer came and was about to kill himself, Paul said, all of us are here. Brethren, even in prison, Paul had had influence of the prisoners. They were not ready to escape without him. They decided if this man is staying here, we will stay here. If God Almighty, the one that Paul serves, that can bring an earthquake to open the doors of a prison. Why do we need to run again? Amen? And then the Bible says, Paul said, we are all here. The man, I'm sure the man didn't believe it. He went inside, he saw them, he said, I want to know this God that you serve. And then the Bible further says that he took them to their home, he took them to his home, and then he himself became a Christian and began to believe in the things that Paul believed in. After some time, you will notice they became organized. And then you will notice that in verses 1 and 2, Paul was writing to the saints, the bishops, and the deacons, meaning that the church had become organized enough that they had hierarchy in the church. So those are the Philippians he was talking about. Now let's bring it home. When you bring that home, you understand that by the grace of God, when God is talking at these times from the battlefront, God is talking to the leaders at the high level. God is talking to the leaders in the middle kedah, and God is talking to everybody else that is part of the church. God is talking to ministers. He's talking to workers. God is talking to every single one of us. 
Now, let's go on. Now, what exactly encouraged him? I already mentioned some few. Number one, he was encouraged because they were organized. Brethren, it is good when you hear news that people are not the same as you left them. It is encouraging. It is encouraging if, as the pastor of the church, you travel for six months and you got reports constantly that the people are not the same. That every week something new is happening. Every week somebody else is getting baptized. Every week somebody else is beginning to speak in tongues. Every week God is using somebody to perform miracles. Number two, it was encouraged because they were consistent. Now, if you flip your Bible back, you will notice that God is said there. He said that I know because in, 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 in that verse 6 there, I will read it again. He said, I am convinced and I am confident of this very thing. Why was he convinced? Because number one, because they had their foundation that was solid. The Bible says that there is no other foundation that a man can lay than the foundation of what? Of Christ Jesus. Their foundation was solid. And because their foundation was solid, Apostle Paul now mentioned that profound statement. He said, he who has begun a good work in you, inside of you, in your spirit, in your life, he said, he will continue. I want you to understand it. Apostle Paul is talking about the past, the present, and the future. He who begun a good work and is still doing a good work, he will continue that work. That is why Apostle Paul was confident because they were consistent in their contributions, in their cooperation, in their fellowship, in their help of the gospel, in their participation, and in their partnership. He was just overwhelmed that they had the right attitudes. And then, of course, what else do you think he will remember? He was encouraged because he remembered the times they spent together. He remembered the days that they spent in Lydia's house. He remembered how they went to the riverside. He had memories. Brethren, let's ask ourselves the question. What memories are carrying you along as you are going now? What memories of the church do you have? What memories of the people around you do you have? And then lastly, he was encouraged because he believed God strongly that he was going to see them again. Brethren, I believe God strongly. I will see all of you again in the name of Jesus. None of us will be missing at the end of this siege in Jesus' name. Now, part of his prayer was this. He said, first of all, let me thank God because somebody, because when you read that Acts chapter 16, the Bible says, in a vision, Paul saw a man praying and saying, please, come to Macedonia and help us. So number one, he was thanking God for somebody prayed them to come. Brethren, I don't, know, I don't know, some of you may not even realize it. Before our church was even born at all, some people were praying somewhere that God, we need a church in that place. So, every day when you go on your knees, thank God for their prayers. Even when the church was born, everybody, every one of you knows how a church grows. Everyone, every, when the church was born, you want to thank God that God encouraged the people that the church was not closed. If not, where will all of us be today? You want to thank God for that. 
So, so Apostle Paul says, I thank God for your prayers. I thank you for accepting the gospel. I thank you for your hospitality. I thank you for the hunger of the word. Oh, of course, then you also want to thank God for the miracles that God did when he was with them. And then, of course, I am sure that there will have been other things that he were not recorded. Just like John wrote, he said, and so many other things did Jesus Christ do, that if they were to list them, that there is no book in the whole world that would be able to contain them. I am sure, too, that if Apostle Paul were to list every single thing that was done in Philippi, then we will need a lot of space to write it. Now, this prayer then comes willingly. It flows. It comes out willingly. Not as a matter of duty or a chore. Not as a commandment. But it comes out of a heart of thanksgiving. Let's go to the next one. He now goes ahead to pray for them. All manners of prayers. He says, I pray always with joy. Brethren, let me tell you the truth. If somebody has done something for you, when you mention their name in prayer, you'll be happy. I know I can't see your faces now, but I'm sure you'll be happy. When you remember that person that when you landed at the airport and you knew nobody, suddenly somebody shows up and says, I'm here to pick you. Every day that the name of that person is mentioned, you'll be happy. Yes or no? I am sure that person that the day that your wife went to the hospital to deliver and that the hospital looked so big, you didn't know where to go, suddenly God sent somebody to you. And you remember. I am sure the day you and your wife, you had a big fight that you are thinking in your mind it is over. Suddenly God sent somebody to you and your marriage is still going strong. Every time you remember them, you'll be happy. And that's when Apostle Paul says, I pray with all manner of prayer, always. Brethren, that is what he's talking about. Then he says, I pray with confidence. I pray with confidence because number one, God is involved, and then number two, because your attitude is right. Brethren, it is not good enough for God to be involved. It is good for your attitude to be right. When your attitude is right, it combines with what God is doing, and then it brings out the good work in you. Now, I want you to remember where we started from. We started from the pen of a man that is in prison. We started from the pen of a man that is remembering the past and is projecting to the future. Now, let me make some few statements here. Every loving relationship that you have brings confidence. Let me say that again. Every loving relationship you have breeds what? Confidence. I'll give you one or two examples. Some of you are mothers, some of you are fathers, and you will understand what I'm about to say. When your child is on the bed, and the child knows that jumping off that bed might mean an injury, if you stand on the edge of the bed and say jump, what do you think your child does? The child jumps because the child knows that in your arms I am safe. Amen? And so, whenever there's a loving relationship, brethren, there is confidence. 
It is the kind of loving relationship that God has towards his people and that God expects us to have towards him. The Bible says that do not be weary in doing good. Apostle Paul was able to pray this prayer because the people were not weary in doing good. And then, of course, you know that the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, let me just very quickly run through some specific prayers that he prayed. He prayed, number one, that we see them again, which is our prayer for you. Because on this battlefield of COVID-19, I am going to win the war and you are going to win the war. Your family members will win the war. You will not be a victim of circumstance. You will not be a victim of, you will not be a prisoner of war in the name of Jesus. You will not be a casualty of this siege in the name of Jesus Christ. So, he says, I pray that I will see you again. Number two, he said, I pray that opportunities will be granted to you to grow in love. Brethren, if you have never seen love in action, I can tell you, just go on the internet. You begin to see neighbors trying to find ways to help one another. That is what God expects of us as children of God at this time. He says, I'm praying that you will grow in the true clear knowledge and perfect judgment, which is called wisdom. If you've not been praying for that before, I want you to begin to pray for wisdom. Those are the prayers that a man in the, in the face of war is praying for you. And then he also says that I pray that you will understand what really matters. Now, let me say one or two things here. Before March 15th, most of us thought we knew what mattered in life. After now, most of you have suddenly realized that those things that you thought mattered really doesn't matter so much. Everybody thought our world will crumble if we didn't go to work. But God knows 90-something percent of the world is not going to work now. They are staying at home to work. Amen? Everybody thought it is not possible that planes will not fly in the sky the way they used to. But today, God knows only how many flights are coming out in and out of our city or Canada. So, when he says, pray for what matters, that is a prayer I pray that every one of us will begin to understand. That Lord, all of these other things may not matter, but what matters is where am I standing with God. And then it's also, he also says, I pray that they make the right choices. One of the other prayers that he was praying was that the reason he was praying that for them was because they were at the risk of getting deceived. Even if you don't follow too much news on the internet, there are some news that when you listen to, you can't sleep for three days. You listen to the news once, but you can't sleep for three days. Amen? Amen? I know some of you at home will understand what I'm talking about. There are, some, there are some things they will send to you on social media now that when you read it, you just lose hope. Amen? That is why you need prayers. And Apostle Paul rightly says, I pray that you will not be deceived because I know that there are so much persecution going around. What else does he pray for? He prays for them to have a transparent, pure character. Brethren, 
character will always speak for itself. Apostle Paul prays for that. He prays for them to live a pure and blameless life. He prays for them to grow in obedience. He prayed for them to be filled with everything that God's approval can provide. Brethren, there are things that God's approval provides and there are things that God's approval does not provide, but is provided anyway. And then I pray that their lives will bring glory and praise to God. Now, these are all the prayers that while fighting for his life, is remembering to pray for us. Is remembering to pray for you. Now, these are prayers that I expect every one of us, every day when you wake up, to pray for your brother, to pray for your sister, to pray for members of the church, to pray for people that are not even part of the church, to pray that God will bring them into the church, to pray that God will bring them to the knowledge of his saving grace, not minding that you are fighting your own battle. Amen? Now, Apostle Paul now tells us one or two things here. He says, Christ means everything to me in this life. And when I die, I will have even more. The reason for that is because, of course, some of you may not even know that quotation. It comes from chapter 1, verse 21, where it says, for me to live is Christ. He said, but to die is gain. Brethren, you are not going to die. But you are going to live because your living will glorify the kingdom of God. I will give you just very quickly some few examples here. Apostle Paul is taking his cue from the examples of some people he had read about. Number one, he knew that there were three Hebrew boys that one time when they were in the midst of their own battle, they opened their mouth and said, Oh, king, I'm not able to respond to you in these things. But this is what we know. Our God that we serve not once in a while, our God that we serve continually, is able to deliver us from your fairy furnace. Did God deliver them from the fairy furnace or not? He did. Number two, Paul remembered Daniel. He remembered that when it was not popular, Daniel decided that nobody is going to change my routine because my routine is dependent on God. For it, Daniel went to the lion's den. I love the prayer of Nebuchadnezzar as Daniel was going to the lion's den. He says, Oh Daniel, your God that you serve continually shall deliver you even from this den. Imagine when it gets to the point where your where, where, where the person putting you in the den is the one praying for you. Paul remembered Esther. That when Esther was in the palace and the time of battle came, remembered, if nothing else, you remember the statement that Esther made. She says in the book of Esther that, yes, tomorrow I will go into the king. Even though it is not according to custom. He said, but if I die, I die. Brethren, the Bible says that he that loses his life shall gain it. Next, what did Paul remember? Of course, the ultimate example, Jesus Christ. He remembered that when Jesus was on the cross and he was tempted at that point to say things in the midst when the battle was strongest, the master opened his mouth 
He said, for God, forgive them. They know not what they do. What about Stephen? The Bible says when they are stoned Stephen, and the man said, God, I commit your, my spirit into your hands. The, the Bible says now he knelt down, he looked around, saw them. He said, God, my last wish is that you not count this sin against them. That is a man in the midst of battle. And then he remembered Peter. Peter rightly said, we will rather obey man than to obey God. Brethren, me and you have enough examples to follow. And then Paul himself, what he has done. He says, now I want you to know, this is, this is Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 now. He said, I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the spread of the gospel. Brethren, what has happened to each and every one of us has actually helped to advance the spread of the gospel. Now, as I close, I'm imagining Paul writing this letter to our church today. I'm imagining myself being the one writing the letter to you today. Or, I'm imagining you writing the letter to your children. I'm imagining you writing the letter to your husband. I'm imagining you writing the letter to your wife. I'm imagining you putting your hands to paper to write a letter to your parents now. I'm imagining you deciding that you wanted to write to your friends. Apostle Paul gives us an idea of what to write. In the book of Romans, he said, and I want you to read it with me, there are some words I have underlined and capitalized there. He says, and we know, not that we think, not that we hope, not that we are praying. He said, for we know how, with confidence, Brethren, the Bible tells me, do not throw away your confidence. It says, for now we know. We means me and you. It says, now we know that what? God, who is deeply concerned about us, he causes all things to work together as a plan for good. For who? For us, who love God, who are called according to his plan and his purpose. It goes to verse 29. It says, For we, whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It goes on to verse 30. And it says, And we, I want you to know, and we, whom he predestined, he also called. And we, whom he called, he also justified meaning that he declared us free of the guilt of sin. And then we, whom he justified, he also glorified, meaning that he has raised us up to a heavenly dignity. Verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to all of these things? If God be for us, who can be successful against us? Brethren, these are the, from the hands of a man in prison. He has realized that even in the time of battle, that the battle is not to the strong, 
The battle is not to the wise, but he has realized that time and chance happens to all men. He goes on here. He goes on to verse 35. He says, who, and then I put in bracket there, that what shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? If you have never read those passages, I want you to read them. If you have read them before, I want you to read them again. It says, who or what shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger. Danger there means a lot of things. Even COVID-19 can fall under danger. Or even the sword. It says, but yet in how many of these things? In how many of these things? In all of these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. Verse 38. For I am what? Convinced. You know, sometimes when you read some of these passages in other translations, you enjoy it. He said, for I am convinced and I will remain convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things threatening, nor things to come, powers, heights, deaths, or any other created thing. Brother, let me tell you the truth. Either somebody manufactured coronavirus or not, it doesn't matter. Either it was created in the lab or not, it doesn't matter. Apostle Paul tells you here, he said, and any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't know about you. These are the pen. These are the words from the pen of a man that his own life was in danger. But yet, it took time to reach out to you. It took time to reach out to me. It took time to make sure that every one of us got something, knowing fully well that my battlefield can never overcome me. Knowing fully well that though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Knowing fully well that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Knowing fully well that pestilence may come, danger will come, but I will come out of it unhurt. Apostle Paul knew very well that by now, people will be wondering, what is going to come, become of me? But I want, you to t- I want to tell you something. In conclusion, all he's saying is that though you are in battle, your victory is secured. Though it seems as if there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but watch out, go and look again. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Though it looks as if this may be your end, but God says that you are just beginning. Though it may seem as if everything that you are doing now is not working. Brethren, I want to challenge you. Do it again and again and again, and God will make you to work. Sometime I will talk to you, by the grace of God, about preparing for the future. Because either you like it or not, COVID-19 will come and go. It is those that are prepared for the next level that when COVID-19 is gone, they will seize the opportunity. And then other people will begin to wonder when did they think of those things. 
Brethren, this is the time to think. This is the time to plan. This is the time to pray. Because God has allowed the world to slow down so that you can get ahead in life. We're going to go back on Zoom and pray just very shortly. But I want to encourage those of you that are watching from home that you do get in touch with us. All our details will be given to you on the screen as we are finishing so that you can send us an email, you can call us, you can send us a message on Facebook. We want to connect with you and we want you to become part of the army of God. Because when you are a part of this army, you are a part forever. And by the special grace of God, God himself has another army that looks after his own army. I have never seen that before, but I know that God has an army that looks after his own army. The Bible says, tells us in the book of 2 Kings that Elijah knew that there were chariots and horses that were guarding him because he was a soldier of Christ. The Lord bless you. I pray that you will have a good week ahead. I pray that coronavirus will not come near your abode. I pray that the Lord will keep you for his glory. In the name of Jesus, shall we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your glorious nature. We bless you, O God, because you are good. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to learn from the pen of a man in a time of battle. We thank you, God, because we know the Bible says that there is no such thing that has befallen a man more than what that man can, that can, can tolerate. We want to thank you, Father, because you have given us such good examples to read after. Thank you, Father, because of your words of encouragement. Father, glory be to your holy name. God Almighty, we pray for everyone that is watching us online, that God, that today, that you will write on their behalf, O oh God. We pray, Father, that your hand of mercy will be stretched upon them. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I commit every member of Cornerstone into your hands. I pray, Father, God Almighty, that you lift them up. I pray, God, that your blanket of, of health will continue to rest upon them. In the name of Jesus, we will not cry over you. We will not, we, 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 we will not run elter-skelter over anyone. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. We are praying.